0: Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson where Jesus says about the widow who put in the two small copper coins, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is our text. When Martin Luther once preached on this text, on this Bible reading, he said to the congregation that was gathered there, This is not going to be a very pleasant sermon. I'm going to be preaching about greed today. And as I had the opportunity to study this text and to mull it over and to think about it and to read it a number of times throughout the course of this week, I began to squirm in my own seat. I was uncomfortable. As I read words like these, Jesus says, Beware the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses for a, and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. See, Jesus is making a point here that greed doesn't just have to do with money. Greed sometimes also has to do with status, because where you sit says a lot about what you are. I have to uh, confess to you this morning that I'm a sort of a self-proclaimed ticket snob. I love to get good seats when I buy tickets to a concert or a, or a play or a sporting event. I don't want to sit up there in the nosebleed seats. I want to sit down here in front. I don't want to be sitting behind somebody with a big head or a big hat, and I don't want to sit in the middle of a of a row being squeezed in by anybody. I want to sit on the aisle cuz I want to feel free. I feel closed in otherwise. So I'm ashamed to tell you this morning that I kind of get greedy when it comes to getting good seats. It's my selfishness coming to the fore. Have you noticed how greedy some people can be when it gets to where they sit? Have you noticed how greedy some people can be when it comes to status? After all, if you've ever taken a look at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram... Hardly ever will you see a bad picture of somebody, but you'll see all the highlights of their lives, all their wonderful travel, all the good things that are happening, and a wonderfully well-manicured person there smiling back at you from that picture. That's why also people want a certain kind of house in a certain neighborhood, or it's why they want a certain car, or it's why they want a certain kind of phone to show I am the kind of people who has this kind of iPhone. Sometimes we even get greedy about the the good things that we do here at church or, or our good works while it's hidden in our heart all the while that what we're doing is for our own recognition or status. Try to sit in someone's seat on a Sunday morning and see what kind of look you get. Mark 12 is a study in contrasts. On the one hand you have the scribes who are greedy for recognition, they lack true trust in God. The scribes are generous for all the wrong reasons. Jesus says, and this is the kind of the way that the original language puts it, they take their fangs and devour the widows houses. They take money from anyone just to increase their wealth. They pray long prayers just so people look up to them. So let's take a moment to think about ourselves. Think about how much you really, truly trust in God. Or would you rather trust in your own wisdom, your own strength? Take a minute to consider why it is that you give an offering to church or to any other ministry or charity for that matter. What's the motivation behind it? And how much do you give? Is it generous or modest or is it non-existent? Take a minute to think about what it is that really motivates you To do something that most people, when they see you do it, would consider it to be good. Does it come from pure motives when you do something good? Or or are even your good works full of sin or selfishness or pride? On the other side of the contrast in today's text is that widow. We don't know anything about her other than that she's a widow. We don't even know her name. She is the lowest of the low. All the money that she has to her name doesn't even equal a penny. She can't buy anything to eat or pay a single bill, and yet she is full of trust and gives everything she has to the temple treasury. And yet she is full of generosity and gives everything she has to the temple treasury. One of the details of this reading that I find pretty interesting is where Jesus decides to do his people watching. Did you notice it? He sits down right across from the offering box and watches people as they come forward to give their offerings, which is when He encounters this widow. Now, can you imagine if Jesus stood next to you watching you when you were at home this morning writing out your check to church and putting it in your offering envelope? Or could you imagine if Jesus were the one who walked down the aisle here and was passing out the offering plate watching each and every person put in their offering this morning? Or can you imagine if Jesus saw how much you spent on lunch today after church in contrast with how much you put in the offering plate? In his comments about the widow, Jesus makes it clear that our level of sacrificial giving is a reflection of our trust, our dependence, our faith in him. So my giving statement that comes to me from church at the end of the year shows just how low is my level of trust in him. My generosity or maybe my lack thereof shows really and truly where my heart is and if if that's the case then I am in a world of hurt when it comes to my status before God and my trust and dependence on him. But thankfully in the end this reading from Mark isn't about the scribes. This reading from Mark isn't even about the widow. This reading from Mark isn't about us or how much we put in the offering plate. The gospel lesson for today isn't about our giving. Today's Bible reading is about Jesus' gifts. One of the themes of the gospel of Mark as you read your way through it is that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is turned upside down. It looks upside down from the world's point of view. In the kingdom of God, as we read through it, the first are last and the last are first. In the kingdom of God, the strong are weak and the weak are strong. In the kingdom of God, the rich are the poor and the poor are rich. In the kingdom of God, as we heard last Sunday from the Beatitudes, the persecuted are the blessed ones as the book of Hebrews says in our epistle lesson that we heard this morning, but as it is, he, that is Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. A God who dies, who would have ever imagined it or thought of it. See, Jesus was sitting in the best heavenly seat of all when he gave it all up in perfect obedience to his Father. He sacrificed himself because that's what we sinners needed. He poured out his blood because we needed the gift of his life. The widow of Mark 12 points us in the end to Jesus. Like her, Jesus allowed himself to be devoured, to have fangs torn into him by the holier-than-thous, the religious elites, and even we who have been so unfaithful and disobedient to him. He gave everything for the sake of his people. The widow gave her living to the Lord. The Lord Jesus gave his life to us. Everything she had to live on, she gave away. And in an even greater sense, Jesus put in everything he had. The Gospel of John puts it like this. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He gave it up as a gift. If you think about it, a description of the widow in today's reading is a perfect description of Jesus. He gave everything he had for you. You and I are forgiven for our greed, for our lack of trust, for our unfaithfulness. We are forgiven for wanting the seat of honor, for sacrificing too little, for praying long prayers just to get people's attention. The poverty of the widow reflects the poverty of Jesus who gave everything to come to our rescue. The rescue came at your baptism. When Jesus took you from a place of horror and sat you in the highest place of honor next to him, completely showered with the generosity of his forgiveness. Jesus has given you all the riches of his kingdom, though you deserve them not one single bit or not even two little mites. Jesus' generosity to us means that our trust is in him so that when the winds and the waves of this world sweep over the boat of our life and it starts to capsize, we trust in Jesus to rescue us. When the bottom comes out of our world and we begin to fall and fall and fall some more, we trust in Jesus to catch us. When the financial resources that we had counted on and are afraid that we will never get back are gone, We trust in Jesus to provide. When we hit the bottom and are afraid that we will never get back up, we trust in Jesus to pick us up by his grace and to give us his peace. And when our sin is weighing us down and guilt is piling up and our shame is too much to handle, we trust in Jesus to love and to forgive and to forgive us some more, and to forgive us even more than that, and to keep on forgiving wherever and whenever forgiveness is needed. After all, he gave all for you. In Jesus' name, amen.